You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Go for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. We are live at Oracle Park in San Francisco after a big win for the Oakland A's this afternoon. 9-5, the A's split the two-game set in San Francisco, heading home and a nine-game homestand starts tomorrow night at the Coliseum and what's now a critical four-game series with the Houston Astros coming to town. Welcome to A's Cast Live. Roxy Bernstein with you, taking you up until 7 o'clock here on A's Cast is the tune-in app. We have a great show for you planned today and a guest coming up shortly in about 10 minutes from now that really frustrates Chris Townsend because Jim Bone only wants to talk to me. Roxy Bernstein with you. Yes, Jim Bowden will join us, the former GM of the Cincinnati Reds and the Washington Nationals. You can read him on The Athletic. You can hear him on ESPN Radio calling games. You can see him on TV as well. Jim Bowden will join us coming up in about 10 minutes from now. And He wrote a really interesting article in The Athletic that was published this morning. And an early ranking of the top 20 free agents who will be available this offseason. And it's an interesting list. And some interesting names of teams that could be interested in these highly sought-after free agents. And he put the A's in the ballpark on some of these guys. So we'll check in with Jim Bowden about that. Also joining us later on on the show, Scott Miller from Bleacher Report. We'll stop by the show. We'll get uh, an overall look at baseball from Scott Miller. He's coming up a little over half an hour from now. Scott Miller will join us. Former Cincinnati Reds manager, pitching coach, longtime pitching coach, whether it was the Diamondbacks, the Mariners, and for a long time he was the right hand of Bob Melvin. Brian Price, who recently was named the pitching coach by Joe Girardi for Team USA in the Olympic qualifying. So he will be the pitching coach for Team USA with Joe Girardi in a competition that will be taking place this winter in November. So Brian Price will stop by the show as well. And also coming up, Eric Longenhagen will join us. He is the lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs. We'll get his opinion on what's going on with the A's farm system and could some of these arms, whether it's A.J. Puck, could it be Jesus Lazardo, help this team? And where, in fact, are guys like Dalton Jeffries and James Caprillian as far as them coming back? So we'll check in with Eric Longenhagen as well here on A's Cast Live. But today was, a, to quote Ice Cube, Today was a good day because the A's won, the Tampa Bay Rays lost for a change, and the Houston Astros lost. So the A's gained games on both Houston and Tampa Bay 
with their victory here over the Giants. So they catch, make up ground in both the American League West. They make up some ground. And really the wild card is separated itself now in the American League because Boston is faded. Now, could the Red Sox make a charge? Could they get hot? Yeah, I, I guess it's possible. But with the win today, now the A's are nine and a half behind the Astros and opening a four-game set at the Coliseum tomorrow night with Houston. And look, if the A's are going to make a charge, if they're going to make a push, and if they're going to find a way to make things interesting in the American League West, it has to start with this series. And just splitting a four-game set will not be good enough. Winning three out of four will, will certainly help you because then you leave that series seven and a half behind Houston. But somehow if you could sweep that series, and that's, look, that's a tall order. I get it. But if you somehow could find a way to win all four, it's five and a half games. And you really make things interesting. And just like the A's did last year, the A's got hot. Houston cooled off. Some injuries hurt the Astros last year. And the A's made things interesting last year. Now, Houston did end up holding them off and winning the division, as we know. But if the A's could make it interesting, and now with Garrett Cole, who was scratched from a start yesterday, some feeling around the A's was initially before the reports came out about the hamstring injury that he was getting checked out and he was going to get you know, medically evaluated to see what's going on there. There was some thought around the A's that the Astros were purposely pulling Cole to have him pitch in the series against the A's. But then the news filtered out. He was scratched. Chris Davinsky made the start in that game. And now there's some question about him going forward, waiting for the re results from the examination. So Garrett Cole's status is in jeopardy for this series, and we'll see how Houston plays it and if Cole has to go on the injured list. But the A's will have Mike Fires going tomorrow night against Aaron Sanchez, who came over from the Blue Jays in that deal at the deadline. So they will go at it 7.07 at the Coliseum tomorrow night with the first pitch. A's clubhouse show comes your way, or A's total access comes your way, I should say, at 6.05. And, we'll, of course, we'll have A's cast live from the field tomorrow beginning at 4 o'clock. Scott Reese will join me for A's cast live tomorrow. Then game two of the series on Friday night, Tanner Roark makes the start for the A's. He's pitched well since coming over against the longtime nemesis. Justin Verlander goes Friday night. Saturday, Chris Bassett coming off a terrific performance in Chicago over the weekend. He's 8-5 for the A's. will take on TBA. will make the start. So we'll see what Houston does on Saturday. And then Sunday to wrap up the series, Brett Anderson, who pitched well last night, even though uh, it wasn't a win for the A's last night. He did get saddled with the loss, but he pitched well. Zach Greinke will make the start the first time the A's will have seen him in a Houston Astros uniform. So that's how the series lays off against the Astros, the off day Monday, and then the Yankees come in for three, Tuesday, Wednesday, and an odd 6.37 first pitch next Thursday night. And then they wrap up the homestand after that weird off day Friday. It's crazy. It's the second off Friday the A's will have had here in the month of August. And then Saturday night, Sunday afternoon, the Giants come over to conclude the Bay Bridge series for 2019. You can hit me up on Twitter at, at Roxy Bernstein. You can also hit us up at AthleticsCast24. The text line is 510-897-1322 for A's Cast Live. We're here again until 7 o'clock. Jim Bowden will join us shortly. But the A's do gain a game on the Rays, also in the wild card race. As again, we were mentioning that the wild cards kind of separate a little bit. 
The Indians are up a game and a half. They have the first wild card. Tampa Bay and then the A's are now two behind the Rays as the Rays losing in San Diego earlier today with the Giants win here. And then there's some separate – or the A's win over the Giants here. Then there's some separation. Right now the Red Sox are five and a half games behind the A's for that first spot being left out of the wild card. So the A's two back of Tampa. So that puts Boston seven and a half games behind the Tampa Bay Rays. And coming up next for Tampa, they just concluded the three-game series in San Diego, winning two out of three from the San Diego Padres. They now will head to back home, and they open up a three-game series with the Detroit Tigers. And that's the unfortunate thing, is the A's have this challenging schedule here the next couple of weeks. Astros, Yankees, Giants, Tampa Bay's got Tigers, Mariners, at Baltimore. Now, they do have a tough week after that where they go to Houston for three and they host Cleveland for three, but then more Baltimore. Although Toronto's become an exciting team. That's not just a walk over there. The Blue Jays, the way they swing it, at Texas, at the Angels. They have two against the Dodgers in L.A., have four against Boston. We'll see where the Red Sox are at that point. They finish up then with two against the Yankees at home, and they're at Toronto to end the regular season there at a three-game set. So that's what the schedule lays out for the Tampa Bay Rays coming up the rest of the way. And the A's, look, they can't worry about that at this point. The A's have to worry about what they can control, and that's what they do on a daily basis. And today was a good day for the A's. They got some offense early. They got a terrific performance from Homer Bailey, and they had a 7 nothing lead. Unfortunately, it got dicey late. But the A's did find a way to close this one out. Matt Chapman had a huge day at the plate, two home runs. Robbie Grossman had a good day at the plate. He homered, had three hits in the ballgame, and maybe the offense is waking up for the A's again. 15 hits as Tyler Beatty lasted only four innings in the ballgame as the A's scored a 4-0 lead through three innings, a run in the first, a run in the second, two in the third. And then the 7-0 lead. And when the Giants made things interesting, the A's had an answer. And it was Matt Chapman again with the answer and the home run that helped the Oakland A's put this one away at a 9-5 win. And they split the two-game series here in San Francisco after losing a tight one last night. Last night was a well-played ball game. And it was a game that could have gone either way, and the Giants – held off the A's to try to rally in the ninth inning and it was a win for the San Francisco Giants last night but the A's again with the win today nine and a half back of Houston and who loses in Chicago today a slugfest of the White Sox and then the news around Garrett Cole which could be troubling for Houston we'll see with a hamstring injury what it means going forward and then Rays losing in San Diego, so the A's get pick up ground on both the Rays and the Houston Astros here with their 9-5 to win over the Giants. As we welcome in here to A's Cast Live, Jim Bowden. You can follow him on Twitter at Jim Bowden GM, former general manager, of course, with the Cincinnati Reds and the Washington Nationals. Jim, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing great, Roxy. Great to be back with you. Thanks for the time, man. Uh, first off, I was reading your latest article today that you put out about the 
top 20 free agents who will be available this offseason. And you brought up some interesting names and some interesting connections with teams. And the first thing that jumped out to me, obviously, Jimmy, you know me working for the A's, is you had the A's linked possibly to Hunjin Ryu. Yeah, look, I don't think there's any question that these Oakland A's are a really good team. You know, you and I have talked about it, really special defensively, especially up the middle with Simeon and Loriano on the corners with Olsen and Chapman. To win a world championship, though, you know, it's all about starting pitching here. And I don't think there's any question that, you know, Billy Bean has always done the best he can within the financial parameters that he's got and that some of his pickups aren't always the best, but they seem to work out. Mike Fires, you saw Homer Bailey today, but I don't think there's any question that he always is a GM that or a president that comes in and surprises you whether Joanna Cespedes is signing or he'll make a move and, and pick up John Lester. I mean, he's got a history of doing that. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays on Hinjin Ryu, although I think it's unlikely he leaves the Dodgers. Well, well, this year, and you mentioned Billy, and he's usually aggressive, and they didn't make that bombshell move but they made some other moves around it for example Bailey who pitched tremendously today Tanner Roark uh, also Jake Diekman what did you think of the A's around the deadline I thought Billy did and David Force did what they do you know they were very uh, they looked at good value they didn't want to in this particular case they didn't give up their best prospects like sometimes they do and of course you, you don't want to give up a Lizardo or an AJ Puck of course um, but I thought given you know what they could do I thought they did an, an excellent job no doubt I mean look at the New York Yankees they wanted a starting pitcher they didn't get one you know and of course there's a lot of reasons for that but you know Billy didn't wait for the big fish he couldn't get he understood the prices of what was out there they didn't want to do their two young stud starters uh, which obviously is the right play. So, you know, I thought given the success he's had in the past with guys like Fires and Anderson and Cahill and the other Edwin Jackson and all those type of moves that he just continued the, you know, his modus operandi. And so I thought he did a really good job, didn't give up very much, took on some money, uh, not too much money, but certainly Roark and Bailey have had history and snapshots of success. So I thought, you know, he did what he always does. Jim Bowen with us here on Ace Cast Live and, we're, we saw a lot of GMs are becoming at least more reluctant, Jim, to, to part with some of their higher prospects and maybe going for it. The philosophy, and look, you were in, the, in that chair. You made aggressive moves to try to win. What's it like when you're fielding phone calls for some of those high-end prospects? Yeah, they're not trading. Teams aren't going to trade the high-end prospects anymore, the top guys. And I'll, I'll give you the perfect example it's the Houston Astros. So they, they've done the unthinkable, right? Uh, they traded for three number one starters. Like, it's been amazing to watch. Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, and now Zach Greinke. And in all three deals, the teams they were talking with wanted Kyle Tucker or Forrest Whitley to start the conversation. And they just came right out and said, we're not trading either one of them. No matter what, we'll walk away from Verlander, we'll walk away from Cole, we'll walk away from Greinke, but we're not trading Tucker and we're not trading Whitley. Um, and, and that's, that's 2019 GMing. That's just the way it is. And so if you want to do a deal, you got to look at the rest of the team, and the rest of the players, the New York Yankees had an opportunity to make deals. Everybody asked for, um, for Debbie, the, uh, Debbie Garcia, the number one pitching prospect for the Yankees, Brian Cashman, New York Yankees. No, no, I'm not moving him. I'll talk about these other guys, not moving him. And that's just the way, you know, GMs are these days. You know, they, they start the conversation. They tell you who's not um, available. 
And then if you want to do a deal after that, you can work through it. And, and that deal for Granke, Jim, it happened literally right before the deadline. It, it comes out. Did it catch you by surprise? Were you shocked when all of a sudden, right before that deadline, that the news filters in that the Astros had picked up Granke? Shocked, stunned. I think the whole world was. I mean, Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic is the one that broke the story when it broke, and he didn't even believe it. He got the word like two minutes of, and he wouldn't run with it because he, he wasn't sure. He, he couldn't believe it was true. It wasn't out there at all. And, in fact, what's interesting is afterwards, Jeff Luno, the, the GM of the Astros, said he never even had a conversation about Grinke until the Tuesday before the deadline. The day before the deadline was the first phone call for Grinke. No other conversations. The deal happened within 24 hours, uh, and they kept it under wraps, and it went quietly, and it went swiftly, and uh, it was just a phenomenal job by Luno pivoting, you know, because he was up against the same thing the Yankees were. He needed a starting pitcher, and it wasn't there. Giants weren't going to trade Bumgarner. Tigers weren't going to trade Boyd. The Rangers weren't going to trade Miner. So all these starters that everybody thought was going to move didn't move. Bauer ends up going to the other league because Cleveland – didn't want to trade him in, 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 a, in the same league where they might have to play him in the postseason. Uh, the Blue Jays made the trade on Sunday, uh, three days before the deadline, in a, in a shocking move. Instead of waiting to the deadline, they went first, which when I asked Mark Shapiro, the president, this week, he said that's a Ross Atkins question. Ross is his GM. Well, I, I was kind of surprised he said that's a Ross Atkins question, um, but it was a, a very unique strategy. So, at the end of the day, there weren't a lot available. And so to watch Jeff Luno pivot, first conversation Tuesday and got it done on Wednesday, it was just a tremendous job. And to be able to hold on to all your top prospects, I mean, it, he did a really good job. Jim, also in your article, Garrett Cole was the number one free agent prospect. Uh, and you can read Jim's article in The Athletic, which was posted this morning. But Garrett Cole is your number one uh, free agent on this list. What have you seen from him this season that's taken his game up where he hasn't necessarily had this consistency? We've seen flashes of it, but what has changed in your eyes with Garrett Cole? Yeah, as you know, back in March, he was my pick for the Cy Young Award. Um, I picked him in the American League. I picked Walker Bueller in the National League. I'm not going to be right on either one, but I do think Cole will finish in the top three, and it's because he's at that right age. You know, Houston has the best analytics in the game. We've seen what it's done for Verlander. We've seen what it did to Charlie Morton. And Cole really started embracing it, and he really figured it out. And he's had the privilege of getting to work with Brent Strom, the pitching coach. He's got the privilege of, of pitching with Verlander. Those guys talk baseball all the time. And he's just really figured out pitch sequencing. He can really command the ball. If you watch the catcher's mitt when he pitches, it doesn't have to move. He puts it right where he wants to. He understands how to own the top of the strike zone. His breaking ball is nasty. I mean, his wins above replacement is four. You realize he's already struck out 217 guys this year. I mean, it's unbelievable how dominant he's been. Well, with Garrett Cole, then, and you listed the teams that he could possibly go to, maybe return to Southern California with the Angels. Uh, of course, he played his college ball at UCLA. He's from Orange County. But, of course, it's the heavy hitters. Where do you anticipate him ending up? Yeah, I mean, I, I said in the article that I thought the best fit was the Angels. I think Artie Moreno owes it to Mike Trout to try to win for Mike. And I think getting an ace like Cole changes everything for the Angels. Um, and, and I'm not going to be surprised if Artie decides to take, as the Pujols money starts to come off the books, take that money and allocate it to Cole. I mean, that's the one free agent that would make sense. Um, I'll be shocked if the Yankees don't play at a high level. 
So I, I think they will do that. Houston would like to retain him, but I think Jeff Luno is going to walk away because they're going to, they got so many guys to sign. It gets to a certain level where I just don't think he's going to do the 35 to 38 million a year that it's going to take for seven or eight years of the contract. I'm not going to be surprised if Farhan Zaidi in San Francisco across the bay from you. I'm not going to be surprised if he plays. They played on Harper. I don't know why he wouldn't uh, play on an ace like Garrett Cole if you're going to do that. So, you know, I, I think it's the big market teams. But if I had to put money on what team right now, I'd put it on the Angels. You know, I know he loves Orange County. He grew up there. You mentioned he went to UCLA. I think he'd love to go home. And I, I think if the Angels want to step up, if, they, if, if Artie Moreno is willing to bring out the checkbook, I think that's where he ends up. Also high on your list, and he's still a giant, Madison Bumgarner. There was some question at the deadline, what was going to happen with him. Do you expect him to come back to the Giants this offseason? I don't, I don't know where he goes. I really don't. Uh, Madison is one of those guys that keeps to himself, you know, and uh, doesn't, you know, he's like the Kawhi Leonard, I think, of the, the NBA <laughs> where you just, you really don't know what he's thinking or, or where he wants to go. You know, I, I just figured this. The Giants should have traded him at the deadline. They're not making the playoffs. Um, if you don't trade him, then w- what were you doing? You made five trades at the deadline. You held on to Bumgarner and Smith, the two free agents. So I figured by holding on to him, that's the message that they want to re-sign him. You know, he's still in his 20s. Um, and I'd love to see Bumgarner, you know, retire a Giant. I'm never going to forget the World Series in 10, 12, and 14. I'm never going to forget him running the table against the Royals and pitching out of the bullpen like he did on that Saturday. Uh, it was an incredible World Series. I always called the Giants the San Francisco Bumgarners that year. So I would, if I would guess he would return. But I got to tell you, I don't know what's in his brain. Like I, I didn't understand, you know, all the teams that he put the no trade to. Like every contender was on his no trade list except Tampa and Minnesota. So I, I, I just don't know what he's thinking. But if, if you're, what I said is my best guess would be that he goes back to San Francisco. I would think Farhart would want him back. I mean, uh, you know, this it's a thin market of pitching. And I think after Cole and Hunjin Ryu, I, I think Bumgarner's the next best pitcher out there. I think he's better than Zach Wheeler. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if he returns. Final couple of minutes with Jim Bowden here on A's Cast Live. A's a 9-5 win over the Giants in San Francisco today. And Bruce Bochy is winding it down, approaching 2,000 wins. Who replaces him in San Francisco? What does Farhan do? for a new manager? I don't know. I would think he's going to pick a younger guy um, and he'll pick someone that is a long-term solution to work with him as a partner, uh, someone that's going to understand analytics and the influence and impact the front office is going to have in that job. Uh, I know what I would do if I was the San Francisco Giants. I would do everything I could to get Kevin Cash away from Tampa Bay. I would offer them player in a trade. I would offer them money, and I would make Kevin Cash um, as rich as you need to make him rich. I think Kevin Cash is going to be a star in this game. And like Joe Madden, when he left Tampa for the Cubs, I, I think they'll allow Kevin to go to a big market team like San Francisco to really be able to show off what he's able to do. It would be a really good play for him. But he is signed long-term with Tampa. I don't think it would be easy to get him from there. But I think he'd be the perfect replacement for Boach. You know, it's really hard to replace a Hall of Fame manager, and it's an important position. Um, but I'm not going to be surprised if it's an under-the-radar, no-name type of hire by Farhan because that would fit his personality. 
Jim, great stuff. Really appreciate you making time and, and squeezing me in. I, you're, you're as busy as anybody this time of the year, and really appreciate you making time for me today. Thanks, Roxy. Great being on with you again. Talk to you soon. That's Jim Bowden, former GM of the Nationals and the Reds, of course, a World Series champion GM. Joining us again, follow him on Twitter, at Jim Bowden GM. You can read his latest article in The Athletic, where he chronicles the top free agents in this 2019 free agent class. And uh, really some good stuff in this article about possible landing spots for the top free agents that he sees heading into the offseason. Follow us on Twitter or tweet the show at AthleticsCast24. The text line is 510-897-1322. We'll get to your texts. And much, much more. Roxy Bernstein with the A's cast live coming up in about 15 minutes. It'll be Scott Miller from Bleacher Report joining us. But more from San Francisco after an A's win over the Giants across the bay right here in A's cast live. Now back to A's cast live. A's cast live. Continuing from Oracle Park on this beautiful Wednesday as the A's invade San Francisco and come away with a win today. Splitting the two-game set and the huge nine-game homestand starts tomorrow night with the Houston Astros in town. 7-0-7 first pitch. Get on out to the Coliseum. These are four huge games. And Mike Fires has been pitching as well as anybody in Major League Baseball, and he'll take the ball for Bob Melvin tomorrow night to start that series. And with a win today, Start creeping up a little bit. You're nine and a half games back now. With Tampa Bay losing, you're two games back in the wild card. So there are critical baseball games ahead. Yes, the schedule right now doesn't benefit the A's in terms of who they're playing as opposed to who the Rays are playing right now. But the one thing that is a positive, and look, the A's are not thinking about the wild card right now. They're, they're just not. The guys in that clubhouse, Bob Melvin, Billy Bean, David Forrest, they may look at it. But that's not what they're looking at right now, really. That's not what they're focused on. The A's are focused on catching the Houston Astros. And there's still time to do it. Now, look, it's not probable, but it could happen. And nine and a half games, you win tomorrow night, all of a sudden it becomes eight and a half. You start to put pressure on A.J. Hinch's team. And if you could somehow win three out of four in this series, it's a Two and a half or two game swing. So then it's seven and a half games. And there's still some games ahead with Houston down the road. But if you can take care of business at home, that is paramount. And the A's can start it off with Mike Fires tomorrow night to get this critical nine game homestand, four with the Astros, three with the Yankees. And how glad are the Baltimore Orioles they don't have to see the Yankee the Yankees again the rest of this season. It is a joke what the Yankees were doing to Boston, or to Baltimore. They've won 16 consecutive games, 16 in a row over the Orioles. And with the home run numbers they've been putting up and the extra base hits, look, we, we know the Orioles stink. We know they're a bad baseball team. And first off, I feel for my buddy Brandon Hyde from the North Bay, the manager of the Orioles. No, nah, I don't necessarily feel bad for him because he's getting paid quite handsomely, to be a major league manager. But to have to watch that every day, ooh, that is a bad team. That is a really there, – there's a number of really bad teams. I mean, you, you saw what happened to the Tigers last night, right? With Now, they're winning today, I should say, Detroit. 
But when Kyle Seeger got his third home run, when the outfielders clanked together and they hit off him and bopped over the wall, does that not sum up the, the Detroit Tigers in 2019 right there? But there are some bad teams. You look at the National League. How about the Miami Marlins? It, it was so bad for them last night. They were trailing 15-1 to in the ninth inning. Now, the Dodgers had 15 hits yesterday, and 13 of those were extra base hits. But to close out a game with it, the Dodgers had it now a commanding lead. You, you normally, okay, you turn it over to the back end of your bullpen, they'll work through it, and you'll win. Not Dave Roberts last night. Dave Roberts closed the game last night with Russell Martin pitching. And I want to say he had a pitcher choleric at first base to end the game last night. That's what the Dodgers were thinking. Well, look, it's 15 to 1 in the ninth inning. I get it. And by the way, Kershaw has a no hitter through four with nine strikeouts today in Miami and a 4 0 lead for the Dodgers. But Russell Martin closes out the game a scoreless ninth inning, giving up one hit in a 15 to 1 win over the Marlins last night. But for the A's, look, getting back to this ball club, they have the hardest schedule the rest of the way among the contenders in terms of opponent winning percentage. And the A's, look, they still have a series with the Tigers, plus to complete that game with Detroit, still have seven games with the Kansas City Royals. So it's crazy the A's have not seen the Royals yet. But they have a four-gamer in KC, which is on the next road trip, and three in the Bronx against the Yankees. And they also have the Royals in for three. So the Tigers, what, three and a half games technically with Detroit. And when the A's are, are ahead in one of those games already from the game that's going to be completed from Detroit. But you look at the schedule. All right, this homestand, which we've talked about, then you hit the road to KC in New York. Then you come home and you're off Labor Day. Three with the Angels, then the Tigers come in. Then you go to Houston for four, Texas for three. Come home, your final homestand consists of three with KC, three with Texas, and then close it out. Two in Anaheim, and then four in Seattle. So that's what's on the docket for the A's, who have the hardest schedule, a winning percentage of right around 500 for the A's opponents the rest of the way. But at this point, you can't control, you you can't, worry about what's happening on the out-of-town scoreboard because you have no bearing on it. The Rays are going to do what they're going to do. Now, you, because you have no games left with Tampa Bay, but you can have a say in what the Astros do. You have eight more games with the Astros. Four at home, four on the road. And if you take care of business against them, you can make things interesting. And that's the plan for the A's. And maybe they catch a break with Garrett Cole having his hamstring injury checked out, was scratched from his start in that day-night doubleheader in Chicago yesterday. Didn't start the game Chris Davinsky started. The TBA listed. We'll see what the Astros' plan is, and I'm sure we'll have a better handle of that tomorrow when Houston comes to town. Again, it's Sanchez against Fires to start that series tomorrow night. But uh, Jim Bowden said some really interesting things. And Jim Bowden, look, knows the game, talks to GMs, and he has a pulse of what's going on. And I found it interesting that of his 20 best free agents – that Hyunjin Ryu is third on his list. And look, I don't know how likely it is, and he doesn't put a percentage on these teams that could possibly make a charge at Ryu. But the team's expected to be in on Ryu and make a bid on him. Dodgers, Brewers, Phillies, 
Red Sox, Twins, Angels, Rangers, and A's. Now, the best fit he sees is the Dodgers and staying put, and why wouldn't he, considering the run that he's having this year and Ryu's having a Cy Young caliber year. But the A's will have a need for pitching, right? As Jim talked about, you're set at third base, you're set at first, you're, feel, you're set at shortstop, you're feeling good. Then you got your center fielder, you got your right fielder. We'll see what happens behind the plate. Will Murphy be ready next year? Who knows what the A's want to do with that spot. Then you've got left field, and Robbie Grossman had a big day today. Does he factor in? And then what's going to happen with the pitching staff in terms of the young players who are possibly going to move into the rotation like Luzardo next year, what they decide to do with A.J. Puck in addition to Mike Fires, the season he's having. There's a lot of moving parts as far as the starting pitching, but if you can add somebody, and I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to be definitely Ryu, but Jim Bowden thinks the A's could be in on him, and he wasn't the only pitcher that he linked the A's possibly to in this offseason, as he also had Cole Hamels as a possible landing spot with Oakland. And maybe that's more likely. I, I, I'm not sure. And Hamels is, look, he's 35 now. Um, he's been around the block a number of times. But he's found a home at Wrigley Field this year. He's pitched well there, which leads you to believe he could pitch anywhere, although he didn't pitch well tonight. Cole Hamill's just absolutely bombarded by the Phillies. 10-0 Philadelphia chasing him. In the third, he did not record an out, giving up nine hits, eight runs, and two innings as the Phillies lead the Cubbies 10-0 there at Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. Oof. Well, again, it's that's that ballpark. He comes to Oakland, you know. I'm just Jim Bowen just throwing it out there to see if it'll stick, if it's a possibility. But it, it's interesting that he draw that connection, and he's got some other pitchers down the line, whether it's Wade Miley, Jake Odorizzi, Dallas Keuchel, former athletic Rich Hill, Miguel Pineda, uh, Rick Porcello, Kyle Gibson, all to be free agents. So there isn't necessarily, okay, you have the high-end guys, and then there's a little bit of separation. We'll see what the A's decide to do, but they're still worried about fixing this thing for 2019 and catching Tampa Bay catching Houston if it's possible they can make a charge of the Astros in the division. But today was a tremendous start by Homer Bailey. Seven scoreless innings of two-hit baseball with seven strikeouts. Look, Sean Manaya is probably going to be coming at some point. We'll see what the A's decide to do with the rotation. And the way the starters have been going right now between Mike Fires, who's been as good as anybody in baseball the last couple of months, Chris Bassett's coming off a terrific start. Homer Bailey was good today. You went and got Tanner Roark because he's a guy that can just eat up innings for you. And Brett Anderson has pitched tremendously for the A's this year. So the rotation right now is pretty good. It's just questions about the bullpen. What are you going to do with the bullpen? Because, again, it was shaky today until you got Liam Hendricks in to settle things down. But Joaquin Soria has got to be better than he was today. You brought him here for a reason. And, look, he's still on – contract for next year and you got to figure things out with him Blake trying and shown he's turned the corner a little bit but some of these guys have to figure it out because they're going to be the guys that Bob Melvin's relying on Scott Everson's got to work with these guys to figure out some of the struggles and get them through this A's cast live Roxy Bernstein with you, you can text the show 510-897-1322 you can tweet the show as well at athletics cast 
or tweet at me, at Roxy Bernstein. Uh, coming up, it'll be at the top of the 6 o'clock hour, Brian Price, longtime Major League pitching coach, former manager of the Cincinnati Reds, just recently named pitching coach for Team USA with Joe Girardi, and a longtime friend of Bob Melvin will join the show. Eric Longenhagen, about an hour from now, the lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs. But coming up next, we'll dive further into the national baseball conversation and get Scott Miller's feeling on what's going on with the Oakland A's. As Scott Miller from Bleacher Report will join us next. He is the Major League Baseball lead columnist, as well as you can hear him on Sirius XM MLB Radio. Scott Miller joins us next. Roxy Bernstein with the A's cast live from Oracle Park after an A's victory over the San Francisco Giants. Now back to A's Cast Live. Continuing on A's Cast Live, Roxy Bernstein with you until 7 o'clock. We're still hanging out over in or- at Oracle where the sun is shining, the not a cloud in the sky. I can look across and see the East Bay as the A's. Trying to get back to the East Bay, I imagine, is not fun during the commute hours after a weekday game in San Francisco. And I know Ken and Ray and Vince talked about the police escort that they got from the Coliseum here. They got here in a half an hour and stopping traffic, blocking on-ramps so the A's bus could get through, and they got over here, and Homer Bailey was terrific in an A's 9-5 to victory over the Giants here today. We continue. Roxy Bernstein with you here on A's Cast Lives. Welcome in Scott Miller to the show. National MLB lead columnist for Bleacher Report, as well as you can hear him on Sirius XM MLB Radio. Follow him on Twitter at Scott Miller BBL. Joining us here on A's Cast Live, Scott. What's going on? How are you? We're good. Happy uh, mid-August to you. It, it is, and you know it was a warm day here in the Bay Area, and two teams trying to hang in the wild card race. What do you make of these two teams, the the, the A's and the Giants? After this two-game series, yeah, the uh, you know, uh, the, the, well, to start with the A's. I mean, you know, they rarely cease to amaze in terms of you know the the whole usually is the greater than the sum of all the parts. Uh, I've I, I bullish on Bob Melvin. I think he's one of the most underrated managers in the game. One of the best managers in the game. Um, so you know, Tampa Bay. I in fact, I just spent a couple of days with Tampa Bay down in San Diego. Um, they're banged up right now. I think if Oakland, uh, Oakland is, is, um, you know, now's the time they need to make their move because Tampa Bay by early September, they're hoping to get their rookie second base on Brendan Lau back. They're hoping to get, uh, Blake Snell, who was in the Cy Young conversation last year back. They're missing three. They're down three starting pitchers right now. In addition to Lau. Um, so, you know, they're vulnerable at their most vulnerable right now. So I think, you know, now's a good time for the A's to make a move. As far as the Giants, uh, you know, I, I just – you can't help but root for them, largely because of Bruce Bochy. You know, what a story it would be if they could come back and, and, and you know, make the playoffs in his final season. I just worry that that run-up before the trade deadline was fool's gold, you know. I mean, they were so hot for a while. I don't know if they've got enough to sustain it. And that's interesting because a lot of speculation at the deadline. And, look, the A's were buyers, and they bought some – they didn't buy some front-line pieces, but they bought some depth guys when you look at Tanner Roark and Homer Bailey who pitched today, Jake Diekman to add to the bullpen. 
speculation was the Giants were going to make those big moves. They were going to trade Bumgarner. They were going to trade Will Smith. They tinkered. They held on to them. And it was an interesting deadline for Farhan Zaidi, the Giants' uh, president of baseball operations. Yeah, it was. You're right. Tinker is a good word. That's what they did. And, um, you know, time will tell if he was right. I mean, it's no secret the Giants are, are going to they're, – they're in the midst of, of needing a, a major overhaul, and it's no secret that that's why they hired Farhan Zaidi and brought him in, um, you know, back to the Bay Area uh, from the Los Angeles Dodgers. And um, interesting in that a lot of people think thought Madison Bumgarner was uh, the, the key to the remodel. Uh, the biggest trade ship that could bring back uh, something good. And, you know, I don't have to recap all of that. I mean, you and everybody in Baria know what, how that story ended. So, you know, I don't know where they go from here. Um, you know, but tinkering, yeah, is the right word. They held Will Smith. They held uh, Baumgartner. I'm not sure. I've talked to a couple of scouts and executive types that are like, huh, you know, they seem to go half in, half out. They traded a couple of relievers, like Sam Dyson, but um, kept the other guys. So, you know, it's like there's some school of thought that that thinks, hey, as long as they're not going to trade, make the big trades, just add across the board, keep everybody and try to add, uh, whereas they made the tinkering moves and, and then kept the big guys. So we'll see how it turns out. Scott Miller with us here on Ace Cast Live. Ace get the win over the Giants. In San Francisco today, and you alluded to Bob Melvin before. We're going to talk to his longtime buddy, Brian Price, coming up in a little bit. But And you mentioned you think he's one of the more, if not one of the most underrated managers in baseball. And you've been around him for a long time, Scott. What what has impressed you the most over the years about the way Bob Melvin runs a team? You know, uh, nobody prepares better. He's always ultra-prepared. He's ready for whatever scenario comes up good communicator uh, often between being in Oakland and, and, you know, before that Arizona and Seattle, you know, he's never had the, the luxury of, of, of managing those high payroll teams where guys are, uh, uh, you know, you got a bunch of marquee guys. Um, he's always had to make do with the grinders and, and he's done a beautiful job with that. And, you know, Chris Davis is probably case in point. Uh, you know, I was up in Oakland last September, did a big, long uh, uh, takeout for Bleacher Report on Chris Davis. And the respect Chris Davis has for Bob Melvin is immense. And, and you know, Davis is a guy that he, he at times marches to a different drummer. Um, you know, he can be not – he can be wary of people. Um Milwaukee didn't work out so well for him, but boy, Bob Melvin has forged such a bond with him, uh, you know, and, and others as well. I just use this as, as kind of exhibit a, um, you know, and that's why, you know, how many people come to Oakland, but it's like, yeah, good luck getting them to sign a long-term deal. And Chris Davis wanted to do so in Oakland largely because of, uh, you know, the respect he's got for Bob Melvin. And, you know, you talk to guys, one guy after another, that's either playing in Oakland or been, through Oakland and you hear that over and over. So, you know, he's the, the communication, the, the preparedness, um, you know, emotionally, he keeps it together. I mean, I know it's a cliche in baseball. I mean, I get tired of hearing about it, let alone others, the old, you know, look, you can't get too high or too low because if you do either over 162 games, you're going to go nuts. You're going to drive people around you nuts. Uh, you're, you're going to self implode. 
but Bob Melvin does that, not getting too high or too low as well as anybody. And I, he just, you know, he's where he's supposed to be. Scott, speaking of managers, we saw the other day that Joe Madden from the Cubs came out and said he expects to be back as the manager in Chicago with the Cubs next year. What do you make of that situation, and do you believe that that Joe Madden will be back with the Cubs next year? I still think they have to make a deep run in the playoffs, and and I say that I'm I'm a Joe Madden fan. I I, I like him a lot. Um, I, I think he's he's a breath of fresh air as far as managers in baseball. He'll tell you what he thinks. Um, you know, he he. I love some of his uh, uh, non-traditional beliefs, such as. Uh, you know, he'll tell you batting practice is the most overrated thing in baseball. Um, and, and I mean, I think batting practice to a degree is important. Obviously, you've got to prepare. But um, I think too many people use batting practice as a crutch. You know, a guy's not swinging well in this video age. We're to the point where if a guy goes into a slump, he goes into the indoor batting cage and takes like 6,000 swings and looks at video. And I think sometimes less is more. And, you know, you guys overthink things. And I think Matt's really good with that. But that said, I do think he needs to go deep into the playoffs. I mean, the Cubs, uh, this window with Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant's not going to last forever. They want to win now. Theo Epstein's already been on record saying it's a year of reckoning. Um, and the other thing, and this is no small matter, I'm not sure that the Cubs want to keep paying a manager $5 million a year. That's one big reason why we've seen a trend toward what I call middle managers, the field managers anymore, just there to to carry out what the front office wants them to do. And, you know, they, they don't have, as a rule, they don't have the autonomy to run the game like they once did. And part of it is analytics has come into the game and front offices want to dictate, you know, here's how we want you to use pitching. Here's how, what lineups we think you should use. But part of it also is, as, as you know, as, as they built out analytics departments and spent money elsewhere, clubs don't want to spend, you know, $5 million a year on that high impact manager. And, you know, the Cubs obviously have a ton of money. They're a big market, but I think Joe Mann and Bruce Bochy are the last two left that are up around 5 million a year. I mean, Alex Cora, when the Reds, rookie manager last year, when the Red Sox won the World Series, Alex Cora was only getting about seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars, and um, um, that's the way the games moved. And that's another reason why I think if if the Cubs win a World Series this year or make a really deep run in October, um, I think Madden will be popular enough in Chicago will probably force the Cubs' hand to to bring him back. But if they, I think right now they're looking for excuses to downsize the salary of the manager. And I think anything short of a deep October run, even given what Joe said the other day, I'm not so sure he's, he's going to be invited back. Well, well, the big coaching staff news this week around baseball is the Phillies brought back 75-year-old Charlie Manuel to be the hitting coach, and they've responded tonight, Scott. They've already got 10 runs on the board against Cole Hamill's Joe Madden Chicago Cubs. What did you make of the Phillies bringing Charlie Manuel back? You know, uh, again, as I just said, I'm, I have an affinity for Joe Madden. I love Charlie Manuel. I, you know, I, and you can probably tell, I've been covering the game long enough. I'm not opposed, by the way, to new ideas and new things. I do think there's a place uh, for analytics. especially. You know, but, but like anything, I think – if you go too far one way, it's not a good thing. And I am worried right now the game's going too far 
into analytics, partly what I just mapped out to you with managers. Um, I like, I worry we're sucking the passion out of the game, even like instant replay, you know, you don't see managers coming out to argue like you once did everything. I don't want this game to become like a video game where uh, there's just people are playing it devoid of passion and emotion. Charlie Manuel, therefore, I love the old school guys uh, that are characters of the game. You know, Lou Pinello when he was managing, Charlie Manuel's another one. Um, he, he, you know, he's 75 years old, but this guy is a hitting savant. And it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, the Mets bring Phil Regan back yeah. at 82 years old to be pitching coach. And that, I'm not saying it's as simple as make one change and teams respond but it's interesting timing that Regan becomes pitching coach and that, that was about the time the Mets went crazy and they won 15 of 17 and tonight t- tonight by the way is Charlie's first game in the dugout even though they made that move the other day he was not in uniform last night so um pretty funny yeah I mean Charlie Manuel's first game in the uniform Bryce Harper hit a two-run homer in the first inning. JT Romuto has a grand slam tonight. It's 10-0 in the fifth inning. Uh, you know, it's a fun story for one night in that, hey, man, see, Charlie Manuel, what magic he works. <laughs> but long-term, I think it's pretty cool, and I hope it works out for both him and Phil Regan. Final couple of minutes with Scott Miller here on Ace Cast Live. You can t- follow him on Twitter, at ScottMillerBBL. And – What's going to happen here, you think, in San Francisco as far as with Bruce Bochy retiring after this season? What do you anticipate the Giants doing for their next manager? You know, I, I think it'll follow suit. I think uh, kind of what I just said about the Cubs and, 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 and uh, Madden, uh, you know, I can guarantee you that they're not going to hire, they're not going to pay uh, the next manager five million dollars a year to manage at san francisco they're gonna that's gonna go away in a hurry and they're probably gonna go you know like the trend has been i'm gonna guess you know younger term younger manager that that will collaborate with the front office collaborate being one of the favorite words of dave roberts the dodgers manager who obviously had some great success working with farhan's Zaidi and and still is having great success in los angeles even after farhan left and I think, you know, you look, I, th- I would anticipate something like that where Farhan would, uh, you know, will hire and the Giants will hire, you know, a Dave Roberts type, you know, a guy in his 40s or 50s that played not that long ago that is, you know, that, that'll have really good communication with the players in the, in the clubhouse. And, you know, one name to keep an eye on, uh, of course, is Gabe Kapler, I think, in Philly because, um, you know, if the Phillies have a disappointing year, he could be cut loose. And Kapler was the farm director with the Dodgers for a few years when, uh, you know, during the Andrew Friedman, Farhan Zaidi uh, administration. And I think Farhan has a great respect for Gabe Kapler. Um, you know, not saying that's going to happen, but I, I would, that's one guy I would watch. Is Raul Abanez another guy that could factor in considering his ties yeah. with the Dodgers? And there was rumors that he could be managing somewhere. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, that that's another uh, another good name. He's another guy that is very smart, uh, very adept, a guy that would work well with the front office. And um, you know, Ibanez, uh, you know, would, would would check 
the diversity box, uh, which you know baseball rightfully so is 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 always concerned about you know diversity and we you know uh, the, the you know the the you know it, it it's not a good look when when your game is whatever the percentage is uh, Latin players and African Americans and then you got like thirty white guys managing. Um, Raul Abania is, is a very strong candidate uh, for a number of reasons, and, and yeah, I think I think he'll be a manager, if you know, if not San Francisco, but somewhere uh, one day soon. Great stuff, Scott. Always appreciate you making time for us here on A's Cast Live, and we hope to catch up soon. Thanks, Scott. Sounds good. Thanks, Ryan. Scott Miller, National MLB lead columnist for Bleacher Report, as well as Sirius XM MLB radio analyst, joining us again. Follow him on Twitter at Scott Miller. BBL. Coming up, we'll dissect a little bit of what he had to say and get you ready for Brian Price joining us at the top of the hour. Team USA, Brian Price, here he comes. USA, USA. He'll be the pitching coach for Joe Girardi. I was texting with Joe earlier today, and I, what a great hire. I love Brian. He goes, text me back, he goes, yeah, but he's not a big tenor. You know, because Girardi's a Northwestern guy, and of course, Brian Price, the Hall of Famer, grew up in the North Bay. And isn't in the Cal Hall of Fame, an outstanding pitcher at Cal in the early 80s. And what's crazy is as close as Brian and Bob Melvin are, they weren't teammates at Cal. They just missed each other. And they really didn't know each other back then. As Bob had played one year at Cal, it was a year Cal went to Omaha in the College World Series in 1980, left after that one year. Brian Price came in the next year and was a four-year pitcher for California. So they were two ships passing in the night, didn't play together, but now they're as close as can be. And Brian Price will join us coming up at the top of the hour. A's cast live. We roll on from Oracle Park. 9-5, the A's over the Giants in San Francisco. You're tuned into A's cast and A's cast live. Broadcasting from the town, A's cast live continues. We continue on A's cast live. We're in San Francisco. Even the broadcasting out of the town, Right? What we're doing, Cody? Roxy Bernstein with you till 7 o'clock. It's a good question because I haven't really updated the liners since okay. we started Ace Cast Live. So, so you're slacking. Anytime we do anything that's not in the town, it just says the town or coming. We're Ace Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. But we're in or, a town. Yeah, true. It's just not the town. It's not the town. Or when we do it from our remote studios that we don't disclose where that is with uh, Chris Townsend. It just says Ace Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. It doesn't say where. From Ace Cast Studio number two. Yeah. No one knows where it is. It's very under- I know where it is. I've been there. Know. I've been there. Our, our billions of listeners are still from yes. some other people I know. They don't know where, we're, where we broadcast from. Well, you know, speaking of the, do you see Ohio State is trying to copyright the, as um, in the Ohio State University? When I think of the, I think of the U. Or okay. I think of my school, the California University of Pennsylvania. That's the as opposed to the University of California where yeah. I went to school. Uh, my school was established and the before. Went to school. My school was established before Cal Berkeley. I looked it up it's, twenty years before. It's not Cal Berkeley. Get it right, University of California. California, Golden Bears. I mean, do you call it the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill? I just call it UNC. University of Texas, Austin. Uh, UT. University of Oregon, Eugene. Uh, what are they? OU. Oregon. They don't have UVO. 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 Oh, UVO. Okay. See, then you know Nebraska, Lincoln. No, it's Nebraska. Well, it's. The University of California. Go That's Bears. That's the one. 
I'm a Kyle fan. I know. I know. I'm just and a Vulcans fan. That's my school. That's the Vulcans. Uh, oh, the Vulcans. The Vulcans. You, I can't do, you, do it. Do, you, do uh, Mr. Spock? Do you I'm, do that? I'm a huge Star Trek fan. I can't do the V between my fingers. It's embarrassing. You can't do this? No. And I, I can't. St- I mean, I never really was a Star Trek. I'm not Trekkie. No, I'm Are not you more a sci-fi Star Wars guy. guy? Oh, you're not even a Star Wars uh, guy? I watched. I mean, Star Wars is okay, but I wasn't really a big sci-fi guy. Last Skywalker comes out soon. You know, December. Can't wait. Will you be there first showing? I'll be in Portland to go see it. You know, you know what's coming out Wednesday night, and I'm bummed I'm not going to be able to go see it, is there's a one-night-only Rush movie coming out Wednesday. Oh, really? Now, it'll be actually, I'm sure it'll be able to see it on TV. I know that, you know, no, I've known you for as long as I have. I know you're a huge Rush guy, so it's yeah. always funny. But I'm working Wednesday night, so I can't do it. No, that. that's right. You're with us. So I'm with you. Wednesday, yeah. Yeah. Wednesday, Townie's got Raiders. That's, that's when he gets to go to the Winnipeg. home of the Blue Bombers. Yeah. Winnipeg. You know, us is from Winnipeg, right? You're, well, he's built from Winnipeg. Uh, you're a wrestling guy, Chris Jericho. He's from That's Winnipeg. right. Well, his his now, dad, Teddy Irvin, was a played in the NHL. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, well, oh, you didn't know no, that? No, I didn't know that. Come I on. Did, I didn't know Chris Jericho now was the guy in Fozzie. Yeah, the lead singer of Fozzie. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so they'll be up there. So I'll have AIDS Cast Live and be on the broadcast with Ken, Vince, and Ray on Wednesday uh, for game two of the series against the Yankees in this critical homestand that's coming up. Nine games on the homestand starts tomorrow night. Houston Astros come to town. But you know why? it These games take on greater importance because the A's won today. And every day you win makes that game in front of you that much more important. It's interesting to hear from Scott Miller that he feels right now that the Rays are ripe for the A's to make a charge at him. And even though Tampa just took two out of three from San Diego, uh, now they're heading home. And their schedule is pretty weak here the next couple of weeks. But he talked about they're a beat-up team right now. And if that's the case, well, that could help the A's because these next two weeks that the A's have schedule-wise, it's tough. But if you can win these games, you can navigate through, and you're at home, which is a good thing. With four with Houston, make a push at them. Three of the Yankees, the Giants come across. Then the schedule gets a little bit easier at, at that point. And we'll see what happens. You still have to go to New York. It's amazing. Here we are in the middle of August. The A's have yet to see the Yankees or the Royals. And those are two teams that the A's will see quite a bit of here coming up in the next few weeks and could determine how the A's make a push here as far as the wild card goes and the American League West. Coming up at the top of the hour, Brian Price will join us. Longtime Major League Pitching Coach, longtime aide with Bob Melvin, the former manager of the Cincinnati Reds. We'll get his feeling on the Oakland A's, what's going on, and his uh, recently being named to Team USA where he's going to be the pitching coach for a team that's going to try to qualify for the Olympics. And he will be the pitching coach for Joe Girardi. Impressive staff, which also includes another former athletic. Scott Brocious, ferocious Scott Brocious, will be on the Staff for Joe Girardi for Team USA is their competition. I believe it's going to be in Mexico coming up in uh, in November as the United States tries to qualify for the Olympics with baseball being back for 2020. This is Ace Cast Live. Uh, joining us earlier in the show, we had Jim Bowden along for the ride, and Scott Miller just joined us coming up in a little bit. It'll be Eric Longenhagen from Fangraphs. He is their lead prospect analyst for Fran, for Fangraphs, and we'll get his feeling on the A's farm system, what's going on, what did the A's give up at the deadline, how much did the Astros give up when they acquired Zach Granke? Well, Jim Bowden talked about, well, they didn't have to part with Whitley 
or Tucker, but what did exactly they give up when they made the big deal? And who are some of the best farm systems? What did some of these teams get back in these trade deadlines? Who did he like at the deadline? And who does he like in the A system? And can any of these guys help out here down the stretch? So Brian Price will join us coming up at the top of the hour. Eric Longenhagen will join us as well coming up next hour. We're here until 7 o'clock on A's Cast Live. Roxy Bernstein with you from Oracle Park as the A's get a W today. 9-5 behind Homer Bailey and Matt Chapman as they beat the Giants 9-5. We continue on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. It's one out. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. We continue from Oracle Park on A's Cast Live as the A's get the win today. Climb again to a season-best 16 games over 500. They're 68-52, 9-5 over the Giants. Homer Bailey was magnificent. Seven shutout innings of two-hit baseball. Seven strikeouts for Bailey, who led the A's on the mound. And then Matt Chapman swinging the bat was fantastic to see him go deep twice today as the A's hit three home runs. They pound out 15 hits. They rough up Tyler Beatty. And also get to the Giants' bullpen. And a 9-5 to win for the, for the Oakland A's here this afternoon as they split the two-game set. And so the A's now again 16 over 500 with the win. And tomorrow we'll be live from the Coliseum again, starting with A's cast live at 4 o'clock. Scott Reese will be with me. And uh, we will be joined by another Cal Bear. Jeff Blum, broadcaster for the Astros. And we're efforting a Stanford guy. We'll see if he wants to make himself a part of the conversation. They're hoping to get A.J. Hinch, the skipper of the Houston Astros, coming up for Cast Live tomorrow, but we're here in San Francisco. Again, Roxy Bernstein with you. Up until 7 o'clock, we go back out to the guest line. Welcome in. Speaking of Cal, not only is he a Cal Bear, but he's a Hall of Famer at Cal and a longtime good friend of the skipper, Bob Melvin, as well as Brian Price. I've known him for a long time. And recently was named pitching coach for Team USA, along with Joe Girardi for a team that's going to try to qualify for the Olympics. Brian, appreciate the time. How are you? I'm great, Roxy. How are you? Good to, good to hear from you. Good to hear from you, and thanks for your time. And before we get into the uh, major leagues, want to talk about y- your role coming up. How excited are you to put the uniform on for Team USA? I think it's great. It's a great opportunity. And, and what's fantastic is that, uh, you know, we're, we'll compile a group of, uh, of uh, professional players that will, uh, you know, collectively go to Mexico and Japan and, and do our best to qualify uh, for the 2020 uh, uh, Summer Olympics in Tokyo. And, uh, and then, you know, um, and we can put that to bed in November. You know, it's one of those things where you've got to qualify first. And, and uh, if we don't qualify there, then there's tournaments uh, out here in, uh, in uh, Arizona as well as in uh, China, if need be. But we're hoping to get in in November. 
Well, you need to do me a favor first off. I was texting with Joe Girardi about it, and I was ecstatic for you that you are put on his staff for this. And and he gave me grief saying, yeah, but Brian may be great, but he's not a big tenor. So you, you got to, you know, yeah. it, the sun doesn't rise yeah. and set in the Big Ten, right? It's you know, This is the University of California. It's the Pac-12. This is the Conference of Champions, Brian. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I would have to say uh, that I am partial to conference, <laughs> especially going head-to-head with the Big Ten in baseball, for crying out, especially back in, in those early 80s when it was, you know, uh, USC, Arizona State, Stanford, Cal, UCLA, et cetera. Um, you know, Arizona had won a couple of uh, College World Series titles. So there was a lot of talent coming out of the conference, and it continues. And certainly Andrew Vaughn, do getting it done as well yeah. out of Cal. Um, and I imagine he might be one of the first people we see promoted uh, to the big leagues from the 2019 draft class. Speaking of your days at Cal, how honored were you a few years ago when, when they put you in the Hall of Fame? What did it mean to you? Oh, you know what? I would have to say really my, my biggest honor um, – uh, as a as a an individual honor, you know, getting a chance to to um, even be considered for the Cal Hall of Fame was huge. It was completely unexpected. You know, we, we our team was not real competitive in the conference. Uh, my years at Cal, unfortunately. Um, however, they took into account you know some some of the things that transpired during my time there and were kind enough to consider me and. Uh, and uh, I got in, and I, I, I was thrilled. I was really fortunate to have a lot of my teammates. Uh, my entire family uh, was there for the for the induction, as well as you know Bob Melvin came in and took part in it with me. And it was uh, it was a huge moment and something that you know obviously is something an honor that lasts a lifetime. It, it, what's amazing is you and Bob have been friends and very good friends for a long time. But you were two ships passing in the night. You were not at Cal at the same time. He left. You came in. Where did that friendship start for the two of you? It, you know, it started, Roxy, um, when we were both interviewing for the managerial position in Seattle after Lou Pinello left and went to uh, left Seattle and went to Tampa after the 2002 season. And Bob uh, had been, um, you know, was on Bob Brenly's staff. Um, it won the World Series in 2001. Uh, came back and had another nice year in 2002. And so Bob was a top candidate. I think he was being looked at by a lot of organizations to manage. Uh, and I had been the pitching coach for three years under Lou Pinella. Uh, and so we were both in the process. And and I would not even argue or debate the fact that Bob was the more qualified uh, candidate for sure. You know, I, I, I he had a much better resume, he had much, way, way more experience than I did at the big league level. And the right man got the job. But that was really it because after he after he was hired, you know, we immediately went in. He invited me in to do the the interviews to be with him during the interview interviews for the other staff members, and uh, it was it was I was touched by it because we didn't have any pre-established relationship. As a matter of fact, I, I don't believe we had ever met until uh, he was hired for uh, to manage the club back wow. in the uh, fall of 2002. That's pretty remarkable considering now you weren't at Cal at the same time, but normally guys overlap and. Oh, you'll have that in common, but it, it took down the road for you guys to strike up that friendship. Now you guys are as close as anything. And what are some of the things you've taken away from him, Brian, that, that helped you in, in your career as a pitching coach and as a manager that, that you've taken away from Bob? Well, a countless, um, you know, countless things. And I think the first thing is that, you know, he, he was, uh, you know, he was, Bob was a 10 plus year major league player. 
Um, he had played on some good teams, some not great teams. He's really a Bay Area guy because he had not only had, he had been a, a stud at uh, in, in high school and went to Cal and then and then ended up signing with Baltimore. But you know, he was he, he was on some really good San Francisco Giants teams, and uh, you know, I grew up a Giants fan. Uh, I followed his career, even though we we missed each other at Cal, and uh, uh, and then you know, obviously, what he had done. Uh, I think he'd been Milwaukee. Detroit and Arizona as a major league coach. So he accomplished quite a bit. And, and so I was hoping that when he was hired, you know, that, that I would get some opportunity to learn a lot from him, especially with his catcher's background, but more than anything, it's just how you deal with people. You know, he's, he's not an isolationist. You know, he, he likes to have his office door open. He likes players to come in and visit. Um, he's, he's very communicative and he, he's just smart. And I think it's one of the things that, that tend to stand out with managers that, 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 uh, you know, that, that have a lot of success in the big leagues and, and, uh, and a guy like Bob has is that they're very, very bright, you know, and he's bright in more, more than, you know, baseball terms. He's a very smart guy and, uh, and he has great aptitude. And uh, I, I think that he, you know, I've said it before. I, I think that Seattle and Arizona really missed the boat on him or, or he'd still be in Seattle right now, truthfully. I mean, if, if they really fully understood what they had at the time. Well, clearly it's the A's gain for being able to swoop up Bob Melvin. And he's done an amazing job. Just picked up his 700th win with the Oakland A's recently. Is Brian Price with us here in A's Cast Live. And I want to talk to you about the baseball. And there's been so much discussion, Brian, about the ball this year and that is it juiced, is it not juiced, the home run rates, the way the ball's flying out of the ballpark. What's your take on what we're seeing with the baseball here in 2019? Well, there's obviously there's a lot of things that are working in, on the behalf of the of the offense for the, for the hitters. And, of course, this is I'm, I'm a pitching background guy, so – it wouldn't be uncommon for for a guy like me to be complaining about you know the, the the way the baseball is flying out of here and so on and so forth. But it's been trending in that direction for a while. When you look at the ballparks, uh, the new the newer ballparks and the way the ball the ball travels, the dimensions, et cetera, uh, the, the the bat and the composition of the bats now and how they're made and what what they're using um, uh, to to create the the bats here over the last ten or fifteen years. And now the baseballs, and I would have to say, of all the things, look, I, I think MLB wants to put a great product on the field. I think their their heart's set on, on on providing the best possible game for its fans. I totally understand. I, I don't necessarily believe in conspiracy theories. I do think that the one thing that's really unusual is it's the players that are talking about it the most and the most the most loudly and. You would think, I would think that if there was this type of a change, dramatic change over the last couple of years with the amount of home runs, especially now, and, and the other part is, you know, little guys that are hitting ball, you know, you're seeing guys, little guys that are hitting the ball 475 feet. You know, these homers aren't like they're, they're, they're scraping the back of the outfield fence. These are long homers by small people that don't have a history of hitting home runs. Um, I would think that MLB would be concerned that they would be the one that was putting the baseball through the, through the test. And maybe they are, and they're just not announcing it. Maybe they are more concerned than, than, than I've heard to this point, but I, I'm, I would be surprised if they haven't been looking into it because it, it just changes the whole flavor of the game. And, uh, and I don't think anybody really likes home runs are great, but when you got a guy that's a, you know, a second baseman that's averaging, you know, five home runs a year and, and he's already has 18, um, you start to wonder, you know, what's going on. And, um, 
you know, I'd like to see it kind of revert back to where we could appreciate a good complete game by a starting pitcher. You know, that'd be a really nice thing to see. As a pitching guy, and you mentioned maybe scaling it back, what what do you think can be done maybe to straighten it out and bring it back a little bit from where it is right now? Well, the, the game, it's a push, it's a push and, you know, push and pull game. You know, the, the pitching will adjust, you know, I mean, pitching, but one thing we do see is we see way more strikeouts. We see an approach, an offensive approach where they're talking about launch angle and, and, uh, you know, and, and we're seeing a lot more balls in the air. We're seeing fewer balls put in play. I mean, it's the way that the game is going now. For me, it's a less enjoyable game to watch. That's me. I like to see uh, contact. I like the ball moving quickly. I like the defense to be on its toes because the game is moving at a quick pace. Um, I like to see defense. I like to see pitching and timely hitting. I like to see, you know, um, you know, batters moving runners with nobody out with a runner at second base, giving themselves up and hitting something to the right side that might drive them in or move the runner. Um, and it, because it's, a, I think it's a thinking man's sport. And I think we've taken that eliminated some of that. Now it's kind of, to me, it's just a bruiser sport, home runs and strikeouts. And truth is, is that, you know, that, that no longer is the hundred mile an hour fastball, something that you, you pay to see anymore. You know, the Raldis Chapman factor has kind of fallen by the wayside because so many people throw hard now. Um, so, you know, the, the game will counterpunch and it'll come back around. I think we will get back to finding ways to create create runs without the three-run homer. I think that a lot of these uh, things that people are prescribing to, the different theorems or theories that are that are going to make the game fun and exciting and lifting the ball and, and driveline products that are, to, you know, there to increase arm speed and, and power has taken away from the real ability and the art of the game, and that's put the ball in play throw strikes and play good defense. And, and I'd love to see that return. It will happen. I just don't know how soon. Hey, you mentioned Chapman. I'm just curious because you worked with him for a while. You're the pitching coach, then the manager in Cincinnati. What was it like to work with a pitcher like a role Chapman? Well, truth, truthfully, it's, it was very challenging and, 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 and many in good ways and, and in other ways were challenging because, you know, um, he's coming from Cuba uh, and he hasn't had any English immersion and he's in the big leagues in the, at the last day of August of 2010 and his first season over here. And the challenges weren't just language barriers that kind of, it was just getting, you know, such a drastic change in his lifestyle from being, uh, you know, playing baseball in Cuba, living, growing up, living in Cuba, and then coming over to the U S having to learn, you know, a system, Cincinnati red system, uh, learning how to drive, learning how to drive a fast car on, <laughs> on a freeway system, uh, dealing with having, you know, uh, uh, not an endless supply of money, but a lot of money that he hadn't had before. And also having real challenges because uh, the bulk of his family was still back in Cuba, including uh, 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 his girlfriend and her, his unborn child and trying to get them across. And it was just, it was harrowing what we were hearing about trying to get some family um you know, back into the or into the United States. So his challenges were almost insurmountable. It seemed like from the get-go, and he and he found a way to make it work and to be able to come to the ballpark and be focused on pitching. But it wasn't easy. Uh, but it was fascinating to see him come in from center field and in Great American Ballpark throwing 102, 104 miles an hour. I mean, it was it was something to see at the time. And you we were just sitting back in the dugout. Yeah, it's all about the teaching and the pitching coach. I, I got him to do that, right? When he's throwing 104. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I would love to have said that uh, that he was throwing 82, 85 with a sinking <laughs> with a sinking fastball when he got to Cincinnati, and and I had made all the difference. But unfortunately, 
that wasn't true. He actually had a, a ton of time with Ted Power in, in AAA, and he came up, and he was some kind of sensation. But it wasn't easy. You know, he had a real rocky beginning to the, the 2011 season, which was his first full season in the big leagues. It, it didn't necessarily come real easy, but when it came – uh, he was locked in, and he was he was uh, easy money when when uh, when he was in the ball game. You know, it was pretty much lights out. Well, one of the guys you got to work with, we saw him dominate today for the A's, and Homer Bailey was terrific in his performance today. What have you noticed, Brian, with him over the years? Look, he's been dominant against the Giants. He's five and zero in nine career starts. He threw a no hitter against them in 2013. But uh, first, with with Homer Bailey, what have you gotten the sense of throughout his career? and the pitching uh, level that he's brought? Well, Homer, you know, Homer, I mean, I have to go back to 2013. I'm sorry, 2014. Uh, he got injured in August, the first of, a, of a, I think, three different elbow injuries that all required surgery. Um, you know, this was a guy that in 2012 and 2013 had well surpassed 200 innings. Um, he had pitched a beautiful game against the Giants in the 2012 postseason, uh, he'd thrown a no-hitter that early in the 2013 season against San Francisco and had just really been, not just against the Giants, but against a lot of teams, really a, a factor in our rotation. You know, a, a mid-3s ERA guy who threw innings, had strikeouts, pitched with really good stuff and pitched successfully also without his best stuff. And I think that was the biggest challenge for Homer. I'm hoping that that Oakland will get the very best that he has um, moving forward, like like he pitched today, because I think he's capable. But I think the thing that kind of was the challenge for Homer when he came back from this string of injuries was learning how to pitch again without his best stuff and be able to pitch it, you know, 89 to 92 and locate his fastball and slider. His split has become really a definitive out pitch. And it wasn't so much in Cincinnati. It was okay. But I, but uh, whatever happened in Kansas City and, and in Oakland has certainly enhanced a, a solid pitch and made it a great pitch. Um, but he's pitching with, with the days where he has his really good stuff. He can be successful, but it looks like now when he's not at his best, as far as his power game goes, he can still manage a game. And that to me is what's telling me he's starting to round back into the guy that we saw back uh, dating back in the pre-injury 2014. When a pitcher has a dominance, Brian, over one team, and you look at the numbers throughout their career, and again, Bailey, now it's nine starts, but he has been tremendous against the Giants throughout his career. Is there something to be said when a starter goes into a game like today, for example, Bailey and the confidence level? And granted, it's been a while since he pitched against the Giants, but knowing that you've had the upper hand, you've been able to dominate this team, that gives you a little bit more swag when you take them out? Oh, sure. It, it There's no question. There's a lot of things that can happen prior to your start against the team. And one is, is seeing – you know, the guys ahead of you pitch really well. I mean, that always helps. But but number two is he, he has a history, not just against the Giants, but pitching in in that stadium um, and having some success. Uh, regardless, I mean, you think about the changes since, since he started pitching against the Giants and whenever it was, let's say start 2010, you know, he's been in that ballpark. He's often, he's he pitched a lot, great American, and he's faced a ton of different people. A lot of guys that that uh, weren't there, you know, in the lineup today that, uh, that weren't there in, you know, 2012, 2010, 2014, whenever. Um, but you can, I think you can get a comfort level too in an opposing ballpark. You really like the mound or, or it looks like you're right on top of the plate when you're pitching. It gives you a great visual, a real confident feeling. Sometimes you get on the mound and it feels like it's, you're at 70 feet instead of 60 feet, six inches. 
Um, and so maybe that's just what kicked in. But I, I, I'm really pleased for him because he's been through the ringer. You know, I mean, had a tough year last year, but it's been a long way to go to come back and to, and to be able to, to pitch in Kansas City, kind of get some things figured out, and then have Oakland grab him. And Oakland is, is a playoff caliber team. It's got to be a boost to him after, you know, a lot of real challenges, uh, you know, over the last five years. I know you probably watch a lot of the guys still that played for you uh, in Cincinnati, and you probably watch a lot of A's baseball because of your relationship with Bob. But who are there some of the teams you enjoy watching right now? As you're just, if you're sitting at home on your couch, you want to watch a ball game, who are the teams that you look forward to watching? Well, you know, I always like pitches, seeing a, a well-pitched game, you know. Um, uh, so, you know, anytime Kershaw's pitching, it, it, it's it's fun to watch. You know, he's just such a – and, you know, and he's another guy. He's pitched a long time. He's got a lot of innings under his arm. Um, and he still finds a way to manage the game with less than his, his best fastball. And and I really admire that, seeing how he learns to, you know, bring that cutter in, into the game and his change-up has improved and a lot of things um, – Houston's just a team that, that to me, when they're healthy, has got a top-to-bottom lineup that's fun to watch, and they've got great starting pitching. Um, you know, any 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 pot. You know, anytime you can see, you know, Verlander or Cole pitch, I think that's a that's a an awesome thing to see. And you know, my my taste really is more uh, is more National League. I've got in, in the Central because I'm so familiar with those teams. I'll typically watch games from the Central um, when possible. And truth be told, um, being off work for a while and just enjoying time at home with my wife, um, I'm not watching as much baseball as you might think. <laughs> Is she getting ready to send you back to work? Is with this part of the motivation to take the job for Team USA? Is your wife to get you out of the house? Yeah, it wasn't so much the invitation. It was the demand on her part that I take the job. <laughs> Maybe she sent a note to George Girardi. Hey, hire my husband. Let's go. <laughs> It's it's funny, you know. It really is, and I know any baseball people that that are married or have been married for a while will say the same thing. I mean, the adjustments from spending so much time on the road uh, to coming home and being home all the time. I, I don't know how these women do it. I really don't because we're we're nuts anyway for for being in professional baseball as coaches. You know, it's a it's a you got to be kind of a nut house to do it anyway because of the amount of time you're away and and just the environment you live in. But then to to be 24 seven in your house, that, that is, is really something that, that our wives have typically put together and, and run beautifully. Um, it, it's a lot to ask. Yeah, I've got a very forgiving wife. And now that you're home, you messed up her routine. That's why she wants you gone. Cause she, oh, she knew what to do. Oh, you were gone. You have no idea how much I've thrown a wrench into her plan. <laughs> Believe me. I know. When, when I'm home for a while, my wife starts to get a little, Hey, wait, wait a second here. What are you doing? I just ruin everything. Yeah. yeah, everyone thinks that people get a second home if they can, if they can swing it. You know, you get a second home, or you do your, you go out to your rent something, or get something, or get an Airbnb, and they think it's because, you know, you're in baseball and oh, that's what they do, and they have all this free time and this that and all this money. And I said it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the sanity of the relationship and the wife's ability to tolerate us for certain periods of time. <laughs> hey, sincerely, Brian, congratulations. I'm really happy for the opportunity with Team USA and a chance to get USA qualified for the Olympics. And we'll see where that takes you. But And thanks for being so generous with your time. Really appreciate it. Hope to see you soon, man. Thanks, Rossi. Yeah, as always, a, a great to, to speak with you and continued success. Brian Price former manager of the Cincinnati Reds, 
well as a longtime pitching coach in the big leagues, just taking the job as the pitching coach for Team USA, trying to qualify the Americans for the Olympics and great stuff. And about Bob Melvin, we'll dive into what he had to say about what impresses him uh, about Bob Melvin. It was some really good stuff there from the skipper. And we get, when are we going to play by yourself, Cody? When, when are we going to do that? All right, so after we talk to Eric Long and Hagen, we'll wrap up the show with By Yourself. This is A's Cast Live. Roxy Bernstein with you at the Coliseum on A's Cast, or rather at Oracle Park, I should say. We'll be at the Coliseum tomorrow. 9-5, the A's over the Giants here in San Francisco today. More to come right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Live. Roxy Bernstein with you. Eric Longenhagen will join us shortly. He is the lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs. We'll get his feeling on the A's farm system right now. They made a move bringing up Corbin Joseph, who's been a longtime minor leaguer. Joseph had a hit and an RBI in the A's win today, but and he was absolutely ripping the cover off the ball at AAA Las Vegas in the Pacific Coast League. But get a feeling on what's going on with the A's prospects. Uh, who Can any of these guys come up and help? Here in September, and obviously we're talking about Lazardo, Puck. Anybody else that could factor in as the A's made that move today? So the, to create a spot on the 40-man, they needed to open up a spot to get Joseph on the roster. So they had to designate Bo Taylor for assignment. Nick Martini was sent down to AAA to make room for Joseph to come up and Look, the A's are looking for somebody to take the second base position and run with it. And Jerickson Profar, as we know, has struggled defensively. And the average isn't what I think the A's would like. But he was being productive with the hits he was getting. He was hitting homers. He was driving in runs. But there were some struggles at second base defensively. And I, I think it's a number of things and why the A's were looking to make this move. They tried out Franklin Barreto. And that didn't work for now. Look, Bretto, keep in mind, he's still young. He's 23. He's one of the highly valued prospects in baseball. So they sent him back to let him get some more seasoning. And they let Profar have another run at it. And things didn't really change for Jurix and Profar in terms of defensively and some of the throwing issues that he has had. So the A's decided to go in a different direction. And they'll give Corbin Joseph a chance. And you look at his numbers at AAA. My goodness, what he was doing down there, it was incredible, and he deserved to get a chance here at the Major League level with the season he was having in the minor leagues. As Corbin Joseph, who's had a cup of coffee in the major leagues prior to today, and what he did down there is pretty remarkable with the numbers and hitting you know, up in the high 300s in – he warranted this. He he pressured the A's into making this move. This wasn't just, okay, we're going to try somebody else because we need to find an answer at second base. No, he was pushing the A's into making this move. This wasn't about just, okay, we'll find somebody and give them an opportunity. No, they needed to find an answer and giving a chance to Corbin Joseph. And Joseph put up great numbers in Las Vegas with the Aviators and came over to the A's looking for an opportunity. Look, this guy's been around. He's 30 years old. So it's not like he hasn't had an opportunity before. He has, but maybe not in the right situation. Could Oakland be the right situation? Possibly. 
But this year in the minor leagues, Corbin Joseph's batting 371 with 13 home runs. He's driven in 73 runs. He also has a decent on-base percentage and walks a little bit. Strikeout numbers are down. And in addition to the 13 homers, Joseph had 35 doubles in the Pacific Coast League. 35 doubles and also four triples. And so he comes up, today has an impact on the A's in his first major league game in a few years. As Corbin Joseph has bounced around the minor leagues, he did get a cup of coffee with Baltimore last year, oddly enough. It's where his brother Caleb Joseph was playing. But he did get a couple of opportunities to play. And now he comes over to the A's organization looking for a new opportunity. Tore it up at AAA. He had an OPS of over 1,000. Over, that's close to 100 games in an OPS of over 1,000. And so he pushed the A's. He forced the A's hand to give him an opportunity because second base really wasn't working out. Well, he comes into the lineup today. Corbin Joseph has a hit, drives in a key run in the ninth inning, giving the A's some breathing room and a 9-5 to win over the San Francisco Giants. Now, maybe he's not one of the highly thought of prospects in the organization, He's a journeyman looking for an opportunity, but trying to make the most of it now to get a chance to play second base. And the A's get a 9-5 to win with Joseph in the lineup today. Roxy Bernstein with you on A's Cast. We welcome in a good buddy of mine to the show. He is the lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs. You can follow him on Twitter. Eric Longenhagen joining us on the show on A's Cast Live, a return engagement. For Eric Longenhagen, who's always the guy that I go to. If I'm looking for prospect analysis and what's going on with organizations, you can follow him on Twitter at Longenhagen, at L-O-N-G-E-N-H-A-G-E-N. And Eric joins us here on A's Cast Live. Eric, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing well, Rox. I'm uh, reacclimating to the Arizona weather after spending a week in Southern California. And so that's as enjoyable as you can imagine it is the uh, high pollution warnings out here and whatnot. But um, but back to the AZL, back to the Fire League. Well, right now you're looking for the monsoons to come through, right, to give you a little bit of cooling off. Yeah, they've come in and out. Uh, we had a few days in a row of storms while I was on the road. Uh, but, you know, this is just that time of year where you just have to gut it out and, you know, it's going to be another month or so of this. But, uh, but it will come to an end and – Soon I'll remember why I like living here. Well, let, let me dive into the A's system with you while I've got you. And the A's have a couple of prospects who could be on the come as far as could be an addition at some point to this club to hot, try to make a playoff push. Do you anticipate with, with Jesus Lazardo now in his rehab assignment, A.J. Puck pitching at, at AAA with Las Vegas, do you anticipate those guys maybe coming up and having an impact on this team and making a playoff push? Yeah, I think uh, certainly Puck, you know, the move the move to the bullpen for him is an indication that this the team is trying to find an avenue for him to impact a big club uh, in a way that still is forgiving for his innings count, for his workload, kind of straddles that line between them being aggressive and trying to make a postseason push while also taking good care of puck uh for the long term lazardo i guess we'll see right like he has been dinged uh up and down you know it has been hard to get him really off the ground for any sustained amount of time so i think that situation is a little bit more touch and go 
uh, and we'll see. But when he's been healthy, his stuff has been intact, and both of them have the kind of stuff right now that's capable of getting big league outs. Uh, I just think it's about weighing this season with the two of their uh, like long-term well-being. Eric Long and hanging with us here on A's Cast Live. Who else? Because the A's made a move in bringing up Corbin Joseph, looking for a second baseman. Franklin Barreto struggled when the A's brought him up. Anybody else that's down there that could at least that's ready to step into the major leagues and help? Yeah, I think uh, you know some of the upper level relief types. Like I think there are uh, guys in the minors who can come up and add that needed depth in September. Um, even like Miguel Romero is a Cuban reliever in the system who throws hard and has like the Matt Latos uh, like knuckle changeup uh, and a pretty good slider. He could come up and, and do some damage in the bullpen. Uh, you know, Jorge Mateo is having a pretty good year at AAA. He's the type of athlete who could come up in September and steal you a base, a pinch hit in a big spot where you need an extra base hit, maybe not someone who you want to hand big time, like high leverage every day at bats through right now because he's just not that heady of a player, but definitely has big tools uh, that, could, that could be of use in a bit role come September. So, and then one player who a lot of the A's people look at is maybe uh, the catcher of the future. And he got Sean Murphy's been dealing with a knee injury down there. What, what have you seen from him? What are your reports telling you? And do you think he's a guy that – could be a backstop for years to come for the Oakland A's. Yeah, we're really high on Murphy. I know that the injury stuff has, has been an issue now dating back to his days at Wright State. And, you know, he's pushing 25. Uh, the catchers take a while. This is the type of thing that happens to catchers during the course of their development. They get dinged up. Uh, it is just an occupational hazard. You know, from a tools perspective, we're, we're sky high on Murphy. Like, we have him ranked 32nd overall in baseball. We think he's a potential star catcher. The arm strength is there. The defensive aspect has really come a long way uh, since his days at Wright State. His first foray into pro ball was just mixed defensively. He hadn't caught a whole lot of pro-quality stuff in college, and that has gotten much better. And he's got, he's got big raw power. It's not a big game power situation. It just doesn't impact the baseball in that way during games with sort of a high average hitter because of his strength. Like he just kind of muscles hard contact into play. So the offensive bar catches very low. And I think this is a solid offensive player, not an impact guy. It's not Gary Sanchez, not that type of thing, uh, but a really good all around defensive catcher and a, and a solid bat. Like that's, that's a high-value player. It's like a potential star-level player in terms of wins above replacement just because of what he's doing at a premium defensive position. As far as on the mound goes, Eric, and Eric Longen hanging with us here on A's Cast Live, the A's have the high-end prospects that we talked about before with Puck and Lazardo, but some of the other pitchers are coming back from injuries, whether it's a James Caprillion, whether it's a Grant Holmes, a Dalton Jeffries. How do you see those guys – factoring in in the future as far as uh, the pitching staff goes? I think you hope that one or two of them gets through this really dramatic rash of injuries and becomes some sort of asset on the staff, right? Like, it's, it's pretty unreasonable to think that given all the injury issues the three of these guys have had, they're all going to be something. 
you know, the way that Jeffries has pitched this year is very encouraging. Of that group, he's the best athlete, has the best command. Like, that is the type of guy who has margin for error on his stuff because the command is, is in place. Uh, Caprillion's stuff is way down from where it was at peak when he was like a middle of the top 100 overall prospects uh, for us at Fangrass. Uh, you know, he was like sitting 94, 97, touching 99. He's been more like 90, 94, touch of five this year, which is still fine, uh, but definitely way down from what you hoped when he was acquired. And like you've got your Jerome Cotton sort of in this mix too. Holmes, I think, ultimately is a reliever. Uh, the lack of reps due to injury has harmed his fastball command development. Like I think it's less likely now that he develops the kind of command needed to be a starter. He probably ends up in a bullpen. Uh, so, you know, they're all, every, all these guys are just sort of floating out there, and this is just the nature of pitching. You need a lot of it because there's going to be attrition. These are just three high-profile names who have been subject to that maxim uh, during their tenure with Oakland. Well, the A's went out of the trade deadline. They picked up Jake Diekman, uh, Tanner Roark, as well as Homer Bailey, Eric, who we saw pitch today. What did the A's give up in terms of the prospects they gave away to get these three major league arms. Yeah, you know, they gave they gave away Kevin Merrill in the which was one of the the first two uh deals with Kansas City. I, I guess it was the Homer Bailey deal where they traded mm-hmm. uh him. And he's okay. He's, you know, he's a plus plus runner. He had some contact skills in college. That has sort of evaporated now in Pro Bowl. Uh, the A's were playing him at shortstop. He really doesn't fit there. Probably belongs in center field, but hasn't given that a try just yet. He's maybe a pinch-running, up-the-middle bench piece. Ishmael Aquino is 20-year-old uh, righty that they gave up in the, uh, the Deakman deal. Seen him up to 97 with a good change-up. But the field for pitching is, is pretty raw. He's another guy who I have projected as a reliever. Uh, and he's you know in rookie ball, so a reliever who's probably you know three or four years away. And the other piece they gave up in that deal is Dyron Blanco, Cuban outfielder, who was having a good, was having a good year at Double A before they moved him. But he's 26. Uh, there are some contact issues. It's a groove swing for me. Not really a whole lot of barrel control there. But uh, he's an elite straight line runner. He's got some power. So we'll see if Kansas City like there's some raw material there to work with. But he's 26. So um, yeah, they're interesting pieces. Uh, they're all sort of lottery tickets to a degree of, of different types. Uh, if one of them panned out and, into a big league role player of some time, that, you know that, that would that would that's probably about what I expect from that group. But it doesn't seem like any of those guys are impact talents they gave up. Eric Longenhagen with us here, lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs. Follow him on Twitter at Longenhagen here on A's Cast Live. And the A's were active uh, even recently. In fact, you go back to July when they signed the elite Dominican rep- uh, prospect at 16 years of age, Robert Pawson. What did you make of the signing by the A's grabbing the number two international prospect uh, in that deal? Yeah, it's an interesting uh, situation there, right? Because Poisson had a deal with Atlanta that was voided by MLB because it was discovered through, you know, the Braves international scandal that they had a very early deal with him and, uh, you know, MLB did not want, even though that's a thing that happens across baseball, MLB like did not want that a thing that was very public the way uh, that this that this situation was was going to be. Uh, he's here in Arizona. He's taken infield and taken BP, and uh, he is really 
loose and fluid defensively and has surprising power for a 17-year-old who's as skinny as he is. And he has that frame, you know, the, it's what Fernando Tatis Jr. looked like physically at age, you know, young, uh, 16, 17. So there's a chance that it, it, it grows into that type of player, right? These are, this is where your star shortstops come from. It's, it's all the stuff you're looking for defensively. Uh, and a chance that they grow into big, big power while staying at short. Uh, so it is that type of, of raw material. We'll see how it goes. Uh, he's not playing in games or anything here in Arizona. Can't do that yet. Maybe we'll see him a little bit during instructional league in the fall. Uh, he's got considerable upside. Yeah, we liked him um, a whole lot in July. And, uh, yeah, we have him ranked uh, very highly in the org already. I want to say we have him – they're like uh, in that, that number four slot behind uh, Puck, Lozardo, and Murphy. Uh, and he's, he's the Boris, the Boris uh, guys have been hit to the backfields already, kind of kicking around and introduced themselves to him. So uh, he's, a, he's, attracting a, he's attracting a lot of attention here in Arizona for someone who's not playing any game. Well, I guess that's a good thing, right, when he's attracting that kind of attention. What about the guys from this year's draft at all? Logan Davidson, where do you see these guys slotting in? Yeah, Logan Davidson struggled uh, early on in the Penn League. We'll see how that goes. It's a, Again, if that's a shortstop with some power and some swing and miss, if he can stay it short, then there's some margin for error on the bat. Tell you who, uh, Tyler Baum, their second rounder uh, out of North Carolina, is a guy who I was like lukewarm on in high school when he was in Jersey. Uh, then he had uh, you know a couple good years at UNC, and he, so he's grown on me. He's got a chance to be a back-of-the-rotation piece uh, or a good reliever. The guys, who, the guys who have really popped at this point are Marcus Smith, the third-round high school outfielder from uh, Pembroke Hills High School in Missouri. Uh, this is like 70 runner with some arm strength and feel to hit. The swing is a little rough, but like there's there are interesting tools there. He's really performing in the AZL, has some catalytic qualities like maybe a table setting center field type. Uh, so that he's off to a good start. And then the perhaps the guy who's come out of nowhere is. Alex Pantuso, do you know who this guy is? This is their 31st rounder um, from Slippery Rock. Uh, he's a senior sign out of, you know, Slippery Rock is like in this small Pennsylvania athletic conference that has generated some interesting athletes over the years in all kinds of sports, like Andre Reed what was a Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference athlete. Um, but this Alex Pantuso was a senior sign out of Slippery Rock. He's been 94-96, touching eight here in Arizona with a plus slider, like it's like setup man type stuff out of nowhere. He's almost 24 years old and he's, and he's in rookie ball. So like, it's, it's a weird situation. Uh, he's someone who's like a candidate to be fast tracked. Like the rest of this year, I think they should get his feet wet at an affiliate in the Penn league. And if that goes well, the last couple of weeks, like if they pushed him high a, like just to see if the stuff played there, this is someone who maybe is like a sneaky bet to be in the big leagues late next year. The stuff is at that place right now. And wow. I texted, I texted a, a Northeast cross checker to see like, where was, what was this guy doing for you in the spring? And he was like 90, 93 with an average breaking ball. So this stuff is way, way up just in the last couple months. months. Uh, you know, relievers are notoriously volatile. So we'll see if it holds, but, this is a late-round pick who is suddenly very, very interesting, Alex Pantuso from uh, Slippery Rock. So it's a name to, to keep an eye on who's, who's basically off the radar everywhere else other than – Eric, you have no uh, idea. You have no idea how happy you made my producer, Cody, 
by singling him out that he's from Slippery Rock because Cody's from that area. And, of course, you look at Lou Trevino from Slippery Rock. So the A's have had success, uh, although he's clearly struggling right now. But hopefully Trevino rounds back into form. But the A's have had success with a Slippery Rock pitcher before. I want to also ask you about the recent news the A's made a couple of weeks ago when they signed Nathan Patterson when – Okay, people are making a big deal. He hit 96 in the radar gun and walking up at a pitching machine at, at Coors Field. But what did you make of the A's finding Nathan Patterson and, and signing a, a guy through 96? Yeah, it's, as someone who during the early days of my minor league internship was responsible for running like the pitch speed booth in center field that the little kids would come and like uh-huh. you know, give me a ticket and throw. Just. <laughs> uh, I, you know, my head would have exploded if someone threw 96 of that thing. And, yeah, I immediately would have run back into the office and said, hey, get someone from, you know, the the pro department on the phone, like, to see this guy in cargo shorts in center field who's throwing 96 at my thing. <laughs> uh, he's going he's gonna to pitch tonight, actually. Like, as we're sitting here recording this, uh, that young man might be warming up. Uh, he, is, he is scheduled to debut in the AZL tonight, so we'll see how he looks. Uh, I know a couple scouts were there, so I will have a report for you uh, shortly, like how it actually looks on a professional mound. Look, there there are weird places people have found talent, uh, you know, in indie ball or at these workouts, and you read about, you know, Gerardo Reyes in the big leagues with the Padres this year was found at a workout on the, the border of Texas and Mexico, and Luis Garcia, who's with the Angels now, but was, you know, like a power reliever with the Phillies for several years, was a hairdresser who had a friend who was playing indie ball who was like, yeah, throw at this workout to me so I can hit. And, you know, the scouts became interested in Garcia. Like, there are all sorts of ways guys get found. And uh, so, yeah, if a guy's throwing 96 at your minor league affiliates, like pitch speed game, it's okay to be curious about that. I don't, <laughs> I don't look down on that at all. I think it's an interesting way to, to try to find talent on the margins where you can. It's guys who throw 96 just aren't around. It's, pre- it's pretty rare. I was – I watched the best high school players uh, in the country all last week, and one guy threw 96, just one. So I think that it absolutely warrants you know, kicking the tires on a guy like that. Awesome stuff, Eric. Great rundown of what's going on in the A system right now, the prospects. And always appreciate your time, man. Uh, I'll be down in your neck of the woods in a couple of weeks. We'll have to hook up. That sounds good, Rox. I'll see you then. Eric Longenhagen joining us, lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs, here on A's Cast Live. Coming up, we'll wrap up the show. He'll play another edition of Buy and Sell straight ahead. Ace Cast live after the A's get a 9-5 win over the Giants in San Francisco. Now back to A's Cast Live. live. Wrapping up a show for this Wednesday from San Francisco. Reminder coming up at the top of the hour. We'll replay the ball game from earlier today. Let me give you a hint. The A's won. They won today. Homer Bailey was dominant. Matt Chapman a big day at the plate. And a 9-5 win over the Giants. Uh, we want to thank uh, Jim Bowden, who joined us, Scott Miller, Brian Price, and Eric Longenhagen just joining us as well. We'll have Ace Cast live from the field tomorrow at the Coliseum beginning at 4. Jeff Blum, TV analyst for the Astros, will join us on the show. We are efforting A.J. Hinch. We'll see if my boy Steve Grand comes through from the Astros if he can he can take care of that and we'll have an ace player or maybe two we'll see if you can get AJ Hinch on yeah that'll make Town even more upset because well he's already mad I got Jim Bowden he's mad about Bowden okay. and we've been trying to get AJ Hinch on the last few times okay. at Luna as well 
who I've booked before. Well, previously. Vince is going to talk to Luno tomorrow. Yeah. So I've actually. So Jeff's a good guy. We've had him on on the previous station before a few times before the Astros won the World Series. So Jeff's kind of big now. Yeah. But Hinch is the guy that we've wanted because I've heard him do so many national interview, you know, national radio interviews on Sirius MLB Network and MLB, just on MLB Network itself. Like he's a fantastic Great. interview. He's a Barry guy, former A's draft pick. So well, he's actually an Oklahoma City guy, but he went to Stanford. Yeah, I was thinking more of the yeah. Stanford. Okay. And, and plus, Tony has a, I guess, a, a story that he does in the, the, about AJ Hinch when they played against each other in college. So there's a rivalry there, apparently. So I don't know if it's much of a rivalry. Yeah, I don't, don't, know. don't mean to rain on Tony's parade. I don't know. Tony was a pretty good baseball player in college. I heard. You know, not, not bad for a five nine. And he keeps getting better every year. It's amazing. How come he's not? <laughs> how come he's not throwing a hundred at uh, these radar gun shows? So all right, well, let's squeeze in another edition of Buy or Sell. It's time for Buying or Selling. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. All right, well, obviously Chris Townsend not here. He's not here. He's on his way to Arizona where he's going to melt. Melt, and uh, he texted me during the show and said it's 113 there. But it's it's, it's a dry heat. Yeah, so it's probably not that hot. That's where Eric Longenhagen is. I'll be there in a couple weeks. I have my football opener uh the 29th so two weeks from tomorrow oh wait are you going for uh Arizona State. Ca- oh yeah ASU see against kent state you play to win the game kent, yes, state, uh, kent state has had uh, produced a couple of good players I've they heard. have and well, you know kent nick saban's a kent state guy uh they, didn't didn't james harrison go to kent state yeah how about steve stone steve stone there's a, they had a lot of good baseball players going on there too the great andy sonnenstein Remember him? No. Pitch for Tampa Bay. Yes, actually, yes, I do. Hey, see? Yeah, well, the, the Rays didn't really have a lot of good pitchers back in the day, so they're kind of – it's like my, Mike Maroth was the best pitcher on that 119 Maroth, loss Tigers lefty. team. Yeah. Didn't he, lo- didn't he lose 20 one year? Uh, he lost 21 that year. He was 9-21 yeah. with like a five, almost a 6 ERA. All right, Rock. Okay. So I asked Tony this yesterday. I'm going to start with you. Okay. The Philadelphia Phillies have hired uh, Charlie Mann. He'll be their hitting coach. Tonight, Bryce Harper is 3-for-3 with two home runs. Uh, Manuel last managed the Phillies in 2013. He's a franchise's winningest manager at, with 780 wins and 636 losses, and he led the team to the 2008 World Series. Well, since the All-Star break, the Phillies rank last in the National League in batting average, RBIs, and extra base hits, and the team's 705 OPS ranks ahead of only the Marlins, who are trailing 9-1 in the ninth inning right now. Buying or selling? Only down nine. Yeah, well, they, they got a run. Uh, Curtis Granderson, the Grandy Man, with a solo home run to make it 9-1. Buying or selling, Charlie Manuel will replace Gabe Kapler as the manager of the Phillies. I'm going to sell on that just because if they were going to make a move on Gabe Kapler, I think they would have made it by now, right? And here we are in the middle of August. Might let this thing play out. Now, they're stuck with a bunch of teams knotted up in that wild card hunt, and the impact that Charlie Manuel, they can feel it already because you alluded Bryce Harper having a huge game. I just think, Cody, that if they were going to make that move, they would have made it by now and gone in a different direction and maybe just put him in as the interim manager now. Look, a couple years after I left Miami, Jack McKeon had retired, but then they brought him back because Freddie Gonzalez wasn't cutting it at the time. And then the Braves hired Freddie, and he uh, ran all those relievers into the ground. Poor Johnny Venners and three Tommy Johns later. Freddie's a really nice man. 
Okay, so Rafael Devers last night, I don't know if you saw that, he went six for six with four doubles, first player to ever ever do that. Yeah. He extended it to eight for eight with a home run against the Indians. I didn't look at his final box score after that. I forgot. Ridiculous. But going into today, he was hitting 325 with 24 homers, 93 RBIs, and 947 OPS in a war 4.5. We love war. Um, what do I have it here? The last two the last two guys go six or six in a game. Joe Morgan in 1965, players younger than him. Joe Morgan in 1965, and Jesus Alou in 1964. He became only the third player in the last 10 years to produce five two-strike hits in a game. He improved his batting average 85 percentage points, most for any player with 300 at-bats each of the last two seasons. He cut his strike his strikeout rate down by 8.4%. Uh, I can keep going on about how great he's been. Buying or selling, Rafael Devers is the Red Sox best hitter. Right now he is. I'll, I'll, I'm really going to stick on it, myself out on a limb there and say it. But, I mean, through the course of 100, he could get there, Cody. But through the horse of a, course of 162 games, I'm still going to give the edge to Mookie Betts. And, look, this was a guy that had ridiculous numbers last year. Um, I thought Andrew Benintendi would do more. That's I, same. I, I, I still think he's good, don't get me wrong. But I'm going to give the edge right now to Mookie Betts as the best hitter. I mean, look, if you're pitching their lineup. Now, the way he, the Devers is going right now, you definitely have to approach pitching him with caution, right? But Betts is the guy, when you're going down the lineup, if you're the opposing pitcher or the pitching coach and you're breaking it down, how are you going to uh, approach these guys? Isn't Betts the first guy you're kind of circling? Yeah, and, and I wanted to bring this up to you too quickly because I did this with Townie. There was a report out that the Red Sox can, could potentially listen to offers from Mookie in the offseason. Do you think they – what made me move him? He turned on that eight-year, reported eight-year, two hundred million dollars. Since I don't see how they trade the guy that won MVP last year. It's just posturing. But it's, I mean, he's he's one hell of a player for for the yeah, intangibles he has. It's just posturing, right? They they can't they they can't really be serious about willing to move him. No, I don't think so either. Uh, last one since we're at Oracle Park. Okay. We heard about Will Clark in his jersey retired. Yeah. Well, how about this? Tim Lincecum won one hundred and eight and eighty-three in his nine years with the Giants. He had threw two no-hitters, won two Cy Youngs, and won three World Series. He struck out an incredible 1,704 batters in his time with the Giants. Uh, he had a great nickname, The Freak. The Giants have only retired four pitchers' numbers in their entire franchise history. Christy Mathewson, Gaylord Perry, Juan Marichal, and uh, Carl Hubble. Okay. Buying or selling, the Giants should retire Tim Lincecum's number 55. Well, now that they're going to retire Will Clark's number, I think they've opened that door. So I'm gonna say I'm buying that just because they're doing it for Will Clark, and I think Tim Lincecum had a more decorated career than Will Clark. Yeah, even though Will Clark was a ter terrific player. What's a better nickname, the Thrill or the Freak? The Freak. I mean, Will Clark was. I mean, Will Clark played when I was like a toddler, yeah. so it's a little different. And Will Clark had a, a great run with the Giants, but Lincecum accomplished more. So therefore, I mean, if they've opened the door by retiring Will Clark's jersey, so. By retiring Tim Lincecum's jersey, I, I think they can now. Okay, well, I'll save the rest of these for tomorrow. There's a good Josh okay. Hader question I have for you Ooh. for tomorrow. So uh, that's it for buying or selling. All right, coming up next here on A's Cast, we'll replay the ball game from earlier today. An Oakland A's victory over the San Francisco Giants will come your way at 4 o'clock tomorrow from Ricky Henderson Field at the Coliseum before a nine-game homestand opens up in game one of a four-game set. With the Houston Astros, Mike Fires tomorrow night against Aaron Sanchez going for the Houston Astros. But a great day all around for the A's as they win. Tampa Bay loses. Houston loses. And the A's get a terrific performance from Homer Bailey 
on the mound. Seven scoreless innings of two-hit baseball. Matt Chapman hitting two home runs. And the A's go 4-4 four and four on this quasi-eight-game road trip and head home to open up the nine-game homestand tomorrow night. Our thanks to Cody, another outstanding job as well, for holding my hand through this. Thank you to Jim Bowden, Scott Miller, Brian Price, and Eric Longenhagen. Scott Reese will join me tomorrow from the Coliseum as the homestand starts tomorrow night. Of course, of course catch everything right here on A's Cast. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 